Amen. Wow. So it's good to be here this morning and to come and share with you. And I'd like to start by embarrassing Caitlin. Now, Caitlin's over there. Don't worry, before you kind of think, Alice, where you're going with this, I did tell her I was going to embarrass her, but I, don't actually, I haven't actually told her what I'm going to say about her. So I hope you're, prepared, hope you're ready for this, Caitlin. Now, Caitlin has known Lauren for a very long time, haven't you? Since you were about in primary school, that's when you first met. Now, recently, Lauren has been going through quite a difficult time and has going through some, some, some personal stuff. And Caitlin over there, she has been with Lauren and she's been there for Lauren to come and let, um, kind of share with what she's going through and just where she keeps talking to you and moaning about things. She's also been there to give her a hug when she needs one. She's also been there to be a shoulder to cry on. Now, for those who don't know Lauren very well, she, she is known to kind of be slightly emotional at times. And there have been one or two tears, I'm sure, have been shed. And also, she's been there looking after her, making sure that she's okay. And Lauren was telling us a story this week, how Caitlin was messaging her in the morning saying, how are you feeling? Have you had something to eat today? And of course, Lauren being silly like she is, she said, no, I haven't had anything to eat. So a bit later on, Caitlin turns up with a Starbucks in one hand and a Greg sausage roll in the other and gives it to her and makes sure she eats. And so my question I want to ask this morning about Caitlin, why does she do all these things? She does it because she is Lauren's friend. Yeah, she's Lauren's friend. And this is really what I want to speak on this morning, is about friendships and particularly look at what, is, what, are, godly, what are godly friendships look like. As we are going to, um, we've been going through the book of Philippians, and we've got up to the, uh, the second half of chapter two. Now, Paul, uh, as we heard last week, he, he talks. To the, he's been talking a lot to the church, and now he, uh, when he gets up to chapter two, verse nineteen, he starts to talk about some of his friends. And there's two characters we're going to be looking, or three characters we're looking at today. We're looking at Paul, the writer. We're looking at Timothy and a guy called Epaphroditus. Did I say that right? Good, good. Excellent. And what Paul does in his passages is he bigs up his friends, like I've just done to Caitlin and bigged her up about what a good friend she is. He really commends uh, Timothy and Epaphroditus to the church to say how much, how, how great they are. And what I want to do this morning is look at some aspects of what godly friendship looks like and use the example of Paul, Timothy, and Epaphroditus to kind of bring that out. Um, so let's read, let's read the passage, shall we? So you can turn with me in your Bibles to chapter 2 in Philippians, verse 19 to 30, or it's on the screen if you want to follow it. If the Lord is willing, I hope to send Timothy to you soon for a visit. Then he can cheer me up by telling me how you are getting along. I've no one else like Timothy who genuinely cares about your welfare. All the others care only for themselves and not what matters to Jesus Christ. But you know how Timothy has proven himself. Like a son with his father, he has served me in preaching the good news. I hope to send him to you soon, uh, as soon as I find out what's happening to me here, and I have confidence from the Lord that I myself will come to see you soon. Meanwhile, I thought I should send Epaphroditus back to you. He is a true brother, a co-worker and a fellow soldier, and he was your messenger to help me in my need. I'm sending him because he's been longing to see you and was, he was very distressed that you heard he was ill. And he certainly was ill, in fact he almost died. But God had mercy on him and also on me, so I would not uh, ha have one sorrow after another. 
And so I am all the more anxious to send him back to you, for I know you'll be glad to see him. And then I will not be so worried about you. Welcome him in the Lord's love and with great joy and give him the honour that people like him deserve. For he risked his life for the work of Christ and he was at the point of death while doing for me what you couldn't do from far away. So Paul really just bigs up his two friends and says, look, these guys are amazing, uh, I love them and I want to kind of send them on uh, to you in a bit. Now, I don't know what your thoughts are about friendship, whether how important you think it is, whether it's something you really, really love or something you kind of just give and take, or you kind of think, oh, I'm not too fussed, I've got other more important things to do. But the Bible views friendship as quite important. And, with, and Solomon, in all his wisdom, if you read Proverbs and Ecclesiastes, he talks quite a lot about friendship. And I've just picked a few Proverbs to share with you. Uh, in uh, verse, uh, chapter 18, verse 24, there are friends who destroy each other, but a real friend sticks closer than a brother. And wounds from a sincere friend are better than kisses from an enemy. As iron sharpens iron, uh, so a friend sharpens a friend. And, and he says in Ecclesiastes, uh, I'm sure you've probably all heard this in chapter 4, verse 9 to 12, two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But if someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm, but how can one keep a warm alone? A person stand alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easy broken. And so Solomon, all his wisdom, saw the value of friendships and how important they were for us. And, uh, but one thing we have to be careful with our friends is they can have a real positive uh, impact on our lives, so they can be really helpful, but at the same time, if we have... Uh, a bad friends, they can, all, they can have the, the, the opposite effect and have quite a negative impact on us. Uh, I haven't got it on the screen, but it says Paul writes to the Corinthians in chapter, uh, sorry, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, he says that bad company corrupts good character. So sometimes we have to be careful about who we choose as our friends, and which, why, which is why I want to talk about um, godly friendship and how that should look and how we can kind of be modeling that with each other. Now, it's not only the Bible, Jesus also thinks that friendship is very important. Because what did he do at the start of his ministry? What did he do? Did he go out and just start preaching to everybody and just go on and just be this kind of high, big guy and say, I'm the son of God, look at me? No. What he did, he went and he found people and he got some friends and he made them his disciples. And what did he do with his disciples? He, spent, he didn't just kind of see them once a week or once every few months for a, for a, cat, for a one-on-one catch-up gave them some mentoring tasks, gave them a and d every year to sort of set them some development targets. He spent his time with them. He was their friend, and they hang out with him. Um, those 12 guys, and they spent that three and a half years with him, and literally did everything together. And right at the end, at the Last Supper, in uh, John chapter 15, where he's talking to the disciples about, and giving his last sermon to them, he says this to them, you are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you slaves because the master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends since I've told you everything the Father told me. See, Jesus was saying, look, you guys aren't some minions that are doing my work. You're my friends. And that's what Jesus wants with us today. He wants to be in relationship and friendship with us. He didn't just go to the cross so that our sins could be forgiven and we could kind of come into God's uh, knowledge of God and knowing God. We come so we might be his friend. And so we can say, 
Jesus is my friend and I am a friend of Jesus. And so friendship is very important. Now, before we kind of go back to the passage and start looking at what godly friendship looks like, I just want to say something that might come across as slightly controversial. Now, as a church, we are very clearly called to be in unity together. Paul, we, we heard last week how Paul was encouraging the Philippians to be in unity with one another. We're also called to be in fellowship with one another, and we are called to love one another. That is very clear in the Bible. But I'm not sure the Bible, and this is where it kind of, I might be slightly controversial, I'm not sure that we are called to be close friends with everybody. Because you, and we're going to kind of, as we look at the aspects, I think it's practically impossible for us to be really close with lots of people. And so don't look around and think, oh, we've got 30 of us here, 20, 30 of us. Look around and think, I've got to be really good friends with everybody sat in the room. I don't think we need to do that. But we do, as I said, need to be in unity, in fellowship, and in loving one another. Um, and when it, comes to, but when it comes to friendship, we need to be people who are open. We're open to friendship. We're open to wanting to spend time with people and to love them. And especially, we've got this focus on mission. And part of that is we're not wanting everyone to go out and become best friends with everybody out there, with our neighbours and our work colleagues. But we should be open towards them, willing to share Jesus. Because remember, Jesus wants to be people's friends. And so and we are called to be his ambassadors. And so if we are not being very friendly with people, we just say, well, I've got my nice close friends at church and people I know, there's just there's two or three of us, that's it, I'm going to put this wall around us, no one else gets in, I'm not going to be friendly with anybody else. Then we're really missing the point and we're not doing what Jesus wants. And Jesus wants us to be uh, friendly towards people. Um, but it doesn't actually mean you have to be super close friends with everybody in church. Okay. So let's go back to our passage and let's look at these godly aspects of, of friendship, using Paul, Timothy, and Epaphroditus as our examples. And the first thing I want to say is that to be a godly friend, you need to be present. You need to, have, you need to spend time with people. And we can't get away from that. Now, I don't want to go too deeply into Paul's situation because I think we've already touched on that. But, you got, but we've got to remember that Paul was under house arrest and he was physically chained to a Roman soldier. And now while that gave him plenty of great opportunities to minister and to share the gospel, and we've heard in previous weeks how that was really part of God's plan for Paul's life, at the same time we've got to appreciate that was quite difficult. To be stuck at home, and I've never been to prison, uh, thankfully, hopefully I won't, I'm not sure if any of you have been, but I imagine it's very restrictive and actually quite, quite boring and quite lonely if you're just stuck in one place all the time. And this is what happened to, Tim, uh, to, to Paul. And also as well, if you think about his situation, he was actually on trial. And one of the results of the trial could be that he has his head chopped off. And now we know that Paul was a great man of God, but I'm sure that he would have been a little bit anxious about what was going to happen to him. And while he might have been prepared to die, I'm sure he, I don't think he was probably super excited about having his head chopped off. And so he would have been in this situation, and I imagine he would have been quite lonely. And probably quite, at times, feeling quite fed up. And I'm sure there were a lot of people that abandoned Paul when he got arrested. I'm sure people probably abandoned him because they thought, well, if he's been arrested, I don't want to be associated with him. Uh, he might be a criminal. Or maybe they thought, well, I didn't really like Paul anyway, I'm pleased he's gone. Or it might be they were kind of just a bit scared to be associated with him, thinking, hang on a sec, if he does get his head chopped off, they might start looking at other people next and they might start looking at me. Well, we hear, well, we know from this passage that Timothy and Epaphroditus were with Paul. And they were ministering to him. And they were physically 
spending time with him while he was stuck in his house under arrest. And they were able to cheer him up. I mean, Paul writes um, in one of the passages that I want to send Timothy so he can come back to me, so he can cheer me up. So obviously Paul is not immune to feeling uh, sad at points. And so by Timothy and, and Epaphroditus being here, being with him physically, they were able to, to minister to him. Because we can't get away from this fact of that we needed to spend time with people physically. Now, when um, Jeff was in hospital, while um, it would be nice if people started messaging him and giving phone calls, they would have appreciated that. But I'm sure it doesn't... Um, I'm sure what really blessed you the most was when people just came to see you. And just even if they just sat with you and they didn't have some great conversation, they just were there with you. Because we can't get away from the fact that physical presence is so important. And modern technology is absolutely fantastic. I think it's great we've got our little prayer WhatsApp group and we can put messages out there to, to people and to share. Or if you're feeling a bit down, you might kind of um, message people or give people a phone call. And we got to hear from Adam and Mim from the other side of the world and they, we kind of got a little picture of what their life is like. But it doesn't beat being physically there. And so God, one of the aspects of godly friendship is we've got to be present. Now, can anybody tell me who this person is? And if anybody does, I will be very amazed. No. He's, obviously, he's a baseball player. This guy is Jackie Robinson, and he's quite famous in America because he was the first player of colour to play in the National, uh, American Baseball League. And as you can imagine, playing baseball in America in the late 40s and 50s as a black man would have been very difficult. And in fact, in a lot of the places he played, he got verbally abused by the crowd all the time. And you can imagine how difficult that, uh, that is. Now, one match, he was playing in the home stadium, and he made a mistake on the field. And the opposition were having a go at him, and his own fans turned on him and started having a go. And he went off into the field, and he stood there. And this whole crowd, I don't know how many people there, just thousands of people basically just completely um, abusing him. And one of the guys on the other team went up to him, put his arm around him, and turned and faced the crowd. And he stood with him in that moment. And Jackie Robinson said afterwards, that moment saved my career. Because that person, the other player, went and stood with him. And this is why, partly, we need to go and physically be with people so we can go and stand with them at times when it's going through difficulty. And that Paul, um, Timothy and Epaphroditus could have written Paul some fantastic letters but what really meant saying was they were able to go there and stand with him um, when he was on his own, in his house, facing almost the possibility of death. So we need to be, be prepared to be present with people. The second thing I want, the aspect I want to talk about, is sacrifice. It requires a cost to be friends with people, doesn't it? Um, and it was a cost to Timothy and to Epaphrodites to come and to be Paul's friend and to minister to him. Um, now, for Timothy, for those of you who don't know, was somebody that Paul had identified as, as somebody to go and be his partner in his mission trips. And Paul had been spending a lot of time with him, like Jesus with disciples. Paul's like that with Timothy. And he was training him up, and he was developing him, and he was mentoring him, and he was supporting him uh, through their, their, the mission trips. And you can imagine for Timothy, I don't know what he thought, but when Paul got arrested, 
this might have been the time that Timothy could have think, do you know what, with Paul gone and, and God kind of moving over there, this is a chance for me to continue the work and to go and to continue to minister and to bless the churches and continue the work and go and plant more churches. This could be my time to step up. And this is a great opportunity for him, but what does he do? He doesn't. He goes and, be, and spends more time with Paul, even though there was this big opportunity for him to go on and continue the work. And Paul has this to say, I have no one else like Timothy who genuinely cares about your welfare. All the others care only for themselves and not what matters to Jesus Christ. But you know how Timothy has proven himself like a son with his father. He has served me in preaching the good news. See, Paul absolutely loves Timothy and is so blessed that Timothy is there with him. But we have to appreciate it cost Timothy. There was a cost that he had to pay to be with Paul. Or about Epaphroditus. Now, we don't really know much about him. He's not really mentioned in the Bible anywhere else. So we don't know what, what he did in the church in, Philippi, um, in uh, Philippi. We don't know whether he had a family, whether he had a house, whether he had a job or a business or anything like that. But what we do know is he made the effort to leave Turkey, to go travel all the way over to Italy to go and see Paul. Now that takes us probably a couple of hours on a, tra- on a plane nowadays, but that would have been months that he would have had to go. He'd have had to leave everything behind to go and to be with Paul and to go and to be his friend. And I know uh, Simon was saying that he was kind of did a lot of odd jobs for him and cooked his food and kind of did all the errands for him. And so we don't know what he was like, but he gave it all up so he could go and be friends with Paul, uh, go and be with Paul. And it says that he even risked his life uh, for the work of Christ. And he was at a point of death while doing uh, for me what you couldn't do from far away. And so he even risked his own life to come and to be, friend, be with Paul. And there's a cost for us to pay. And if we want to be godly friends with people, we realise that it's going to cost us. It's going to cost us in our time. It's going to cost us in our money. It's going to cost us in our e- effort. And it's going to cost us to, to do it. And we're not always going to like that, especially for me, this is quite difficult. Now, I'm naturally quite a self-focused person. I don't always think of others. It's something that I I do struggle with. And uh, a few months ago, I got a text message on Saturday morning from Terry saying, would you come and help me move a bed? Now, on a Saturday, that's kind of my day off, and I like to kind of chill out or maybe do some DIY jobs or maybe help take the kids out, give Alice a bit of space. Um, or just kind of just do general stuff or maybe ride my bike. And uh, to be honest, the last thing I really want to do is kind of give up some time on a Saturday, leave Alice with the kids, which will make her quite grumpy, um, and go off and go and do something for someone else. And so when I got this text message for Terry, he said, would you like to come and, would you, can you come and help me? My initial reaction was no. But thankfully, I didn't respond no. I thought about it and thought, you know what, actually, I should be a good friend to Terry and go and, and help him. So I told Alice... Uh, who took it quite graciously after an initial period of being slightly grumpy about it. But I went and, went and um, spent a, gave, a couple of my, uh, gave an hour or two to go and help Terry. And I'm really pleased I did, because I'm sure it blessed him and Hannah, and actually it blessed me through doing that. Um, but it was a cost. I had to give up some of my time, some of my own time on a Saturday that is kind of quite precious to me, to go and do it. And so if we want to be godly friends, we are going to have to sacrifice. The next aspect I want to mention is endurance. That to be someone's friend, it requires endurance. You have to keep going with it. It is not, especially 
Um, when things get tough, it's sometimes easy to kind of slink away. And I'm sure Paul found that with some other people, that when he was kind of going through a lot, that people went away from him. But we know Timothy and Epaphroditus stuck with him. Now we know this, that, that Paul is a very godly, was a very godly man. And he wrote a lot of the New Testament in his letters. But I'm sure at times he was quite difficult to be with. And if you read the Acts, I know at one point he did going to get fed up with somebody called Mark. And he sent that guy away and said, I've got, I can't be bothered to deal with him anymore. And I imagine at times, especially when you're stuck at home, so stuck in uh, your home, uh, having to be changed to a Roman, is that while that might be a great gospel opportunity, at times he got really frustrated. And I certainly know all the men of God that I, and women of God that I know at times, they get frustrated and they get fed up with things. And I'm sure that Paul, in his tough situation, would have had enough of it at points. But Tim, you see that Timothy and Epaphroditus, when Paul was probably uh, in a weaker moment, having a bit of a moan, didn't go off and leave him. They stuck with him, even though it was really tough. Um, and they kept going. And we've, as godly friends, need to keep going with, people, with our friends, even when it's tough, even when, we get annoyed, when they annoy, our friends annoy us, or they upset us, or they frustrate us, or they hurt us. Now, I don't know about you, but I find those closest to me are the ones that hurt me the most. Because at work this week, uh, at work this week, somebody got upset with me because I sent them an email that said, basically, here's this problem, you deal with it. And they didn't really like that. Now, I'm kind of a nice guy, and uh, so I was kind of a bit, a bit annoyed that I'd upset him, but I'm not really taking it to heart. I'm not sitting here kind of crying at night or sharing, because I was sharing with Alice about how upset I am. But I know in the past, people who have been very close to me, who have maybe upset me, it's really hurt. And I've kind of, it's been hard to kind of bear it. And I think at those points, sometimes it's very easy to kind of, do you know what, I've had enough with people. They've annoyed me once too often. I'm binning them off. I can't deal with them anymore. But we are called as godly friends to keep going and to endure and to keep pouring out that love and keep, giving, keep forgiving them however much they hurt us. I'm sure Caitlin at times um, has probably got a little bit fed up with Lauren, but I know she's been a really good friend to her and kept going. Um, and especially as well with people, we need to support them when they make mistakes. That we are none of us are infallible, and at times we, will, we, we do sin, and sometimes we mess up with things and we make mistakes. And we need to, at those points with our friends, we need to go and pick them up, kind of brush them down, brush them down a bit, and then keep uh, and encourage them to keep going with Jesus. Now. I mentioned about Jesus and his disciples. And what happened to them when they go and got tough with, with Jesus? What did they do? They all run away, didn't they? When he got arrested in the garden, they all fled. And even Peter, who kind of followed at a distance, when, when, the, when the kind of uh, push came to shove and he was asked and said, do you know Jesus? He denied him three times. And I'm sure that hurt Jesus more than all the physical beatings he was getting at that time. To know that his friends, the people he had spent his life with for the last three and a half years, all ran away. And we as godly friends have got to be people who endure, who keep going even when it gets tough. And the fourth aspect I want to bring up is that godly friends have a godly focus. We, with our friends, should be encouraging and leading and pointing people to Jesus. Amen? And that's what Paul was doing with, the, with, with Timothy. Because later on in the Bible, he writes, him, he writes him a couple of letters. And what are those letters full of? 
They're letters full of Paul saying to Timothy, keep going with Jesus. Keep going, keep looking at him. Um, keep going in your ministry. God's got your back. Um, you're doing great. Keep going. And that's what we should be doing with our friends, is keep pointing them to Jesus, saying, you need Jesus. Jesus is the answer. And sometimes we can find in our friendships that it ha- can happen quite subtly, is the focus starts coming away from God, and starts, the focus starts to come on ourselves. And we can start to rely on our friends and look to them to help us all the time, to look to uh, them, to people, the people that we put our support on. And what does Jesus say about um, himself? He says, I am the rock, and if you build upon your life upon me, you will be okay, you will be stable. But if you build your life upon anything else but me, that is unstable ground, that is a poor foundation. And while godly friends can be absolutely fantastic, we should not be building our life upon them. We should be encouraging each other to keep looking to Jesus. And one of our, uh, our friends uh, is uh, uh, called Bruna. Now, she's a youth worker down at a church that, uh, down in Gravesend. And she said, so we're having a conversation with her once, and she said something really that really struck me as being quite profound, is that when she's got these young people that are coming to her and they're sharing their hearts with her, with her about all these things they're going through, this is what she says to them. She says, I can't solve your problems. I can't solve your problems. I can uh, stand with you. I can cry with you. I can laugh with you. I can be there for you, but I can't solve your problems. You need Jesus. Jesus is the answer. And we need to be uh, people, uh, friends, that have this godly focus, that keep pointing people to Jesus. And if we find that we have friends that aren't doing that, we kind of need to take a step back. Because remember, Paul says, bad company corrupts good character. And so we have, if we have people that are leading, friends that are leading us away from Jesus, we need to kind of think, hang on a sec, should I, be having them letting, should I be letting them have influence in my life? They're saying things like, let's not go to church today, let's go blue water instead. Or maybe, uh, I know what you do, let's go out, let's go down the pub, Let's go and drink our sorrows away. Or maybe, do you know what? We can just fiddle our tax returns. It's okay. Uh, It doesn't really matter. Everybody does it. If we've got friends that are kind of saying things like this to us that don't have that godly focus, then we need to maybe step in back for them and maybe find some other people who are going to keep pointing us and supporting us going to Jesus. So how I want to finish this morning, I want to encourage you with some questions. And the first question I want to ask, do you have godly friends in your life? Now, if your answer is yes, then uh, I've got a few people in my life and they're absolutely fantastic. They really go through the life with me and they help point me to Jesus. And I want you to praise Jesus in your hearts. I want you to thank him that you have got people like that in your lives. But maybe you're sitting here this morning you're thinking, do you know what, I don't have a close godly friend in my life. Well, if that's the case, I'd encourage you to pray to Jesus and ask him to bring somebody or some people into your life that are going to be your, God, your close godly friends. And I think it's not a, it's not a um, If we don't have one, don't have to feel super upset, but we can ask God and say, God, will you come and do it? Will you come and bring some people in my life that, um, that I can have this godly friendship with? And it might take time. God's not going to kind of do it like that. And it does, friendship does take time to develop. Um, but if you pray, I'm sure God, I know God, will start to bring people into your life that will really be able to support uh, and 
care for you on this deep level. The next question is, if you want to be a God, if you want to have godly friends, are you prepared to be a godly friend yourself? And this is the real challenge for us, because it's so easy to have lots of great people around us, uh, giving us and supporting us, but if we're, not ret- if we're not prepared to return the favour, then really we're not for being a, great, a good godly friend. Because as we know, with friendship, it's all about give and take. And uh, poor Caitlin is, has been doing a lot of giving at the moment, but I'm sure there will be points in her life where, she, where Lauren will be returning the favour to her. And so we need to be prepared to... Um, to go through these things, prepared to spend time with people, to sacrifice our needs and our wants, prepared to stick with people, to go through stuff, and prepared to kind of keep going, encouraging them to go to God. And it is difficult. It is difficult to be a real friend like that because it requires effort on our part, it requires um, uh, sacrifice from us. And the third thing I want to say, that if you want to be a godly friend, what is most important and most vital is that you are first friends with Jesus. Amen? We need to be friends with Jesus if we want to be godly friends. Because really that's where it all comes from. And if we're trying to be a godly friend without Jesus in our lives, then we are going to fail massively. Because it all comes from Jesus, from Jesus coming into our hearts and working through us and changing us so we become more like Jesus. We become more like this great friend who... Uh, Jesus is. And what does Solomon say about, um, about friendship? That three is even better than two. And a three-corded uh, braid is not easily broken. And that's you, your friend, and Jesus in the middle there, uh, binding you together. So I encourage you to make sure that you are first friends with Jesus and you put that as the utmost important thing in your friendships, to be friends with Jesus first. And so I want to finish this morning... And to encourage you to run the race of godly friendships. Run the race of godly friendships. Because just like a real race, it is tiring. It is hard work. It is difficult. And at times you want to give up. But like a real race, it is, um, it is rewarding. It is fulfilling. It, at times it's enjoyable. And it's worthwhile doing. Amen. That's what friendship's like. It's like that race you have to run. It's, and it's difficult, but it is worth it. And so I'll encourage you to, to run the race of godly friendship this morning. And say amen. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray, and then I think we'll, we'll finish.